Hey guys, welcome back to the Miss Independent Podcast, where we teach women to be more confident investors, entrepreneurs, and go further in their careers. For today's episode, unfortunately, Katie wasn't able to join us, but hey, that's the beauty of partnership. It's when you've got a lot going on, your partner is able to fill in for you and vice versa. And I'm so grateful to be doing this with Katie. No one else I would rather be on this journey with. And while we're on the topic of amazing partnerships, we've got an incredible dynamic duo on the show for you today. Danny Kagan and Victoria Marshman are incredible, passionate, and driven entrepreneurs, business leaders, and dance teachers. As the co-founders of City Moguls, they bring together the entrepreneurial community through a multitude of programs and experiences. The U of T grads founded City Moguls in 2015 to unite and celebrate innovative and philanthropic entrepreneurs to inspire great leaders. Their signature event, the Mogul Awards, celebrates the top 20 Canadian entrepreneurs in a unique fashion show to support Canadian causes. To date, they've raised almost $200,000 to support Canadian at-risk youth. The City Moguls community has recently expanded to provide educational resources, online programs like their accelerator program, Mogul Cruise, and a brand new mentorship program to support early stage entrepreneurs to launch them to the next phase of their journey. They're proud to be supporting thousands of entrepreneurs across Canada and the globe, and I'm so excited to have them on the show today. And we're going to jump into it, hear their story, what they've built, and all the amazing things that they're up to. So Danny, Victoria, I want to ask you guys, how did you meet and how did you start City Moguls? <laughs> I love, we love our, like, our story of how we met because it's just, it was so serendipitous. We were, Victoria and I both were at the University of Toronto and we were auditioning for the U of T dance team and it was literally like locked eyes across the room being like, oh my God, we're going to do amazing things together and um, lo and behold we ended up being the co-captains of the team for a number of years and um, really like diving into making it super professional and um, wanting to like take it to a new level and so we ran all these fundraisers together and um, you know really wanted to level up the whole dance team and so um, that was kind of the beginning of our relationship and how we kind of started doing not just you know um not just dance team stuff together but event planning which is what we both kind of got into at the beginning yeah like danny said it literally started us with us just really building the foundations of our our businesses on like a really strong friendship we were best friends and we complemented each other well with our skill sets. So that was really the beginning in our university days. And from there, we we knew we knew we always wanted to run events together and potentially start like a business together. So initially, um, Danny and I kind of like took our own separate career paths. I was in like the nonprofit events world. Danny was more in the experiential marketing world. We built up our professional connections, got some real life experience under our belts and started to build an event planning company on the side, uh, Stratus Events, which um, is one of our first babies that we ever started. And kind of from doing events, starting and running events, we wanted to do something for entrepreneurs because as young entrepreneurs ourselves, we were really struggling to find a group of people like us. We would go to a lot of like other entrepreneur organizations, events and networking events, and they were (laughs) just boring. I don't know, I don't know what other word to use, but they were like boring and often very transactional when you would talk with people. It was like, here's my business card, blah, blah, blah. You know, very, very transactional. So we wanted to bring something unique to the entrepreneur space. We wanted to do something that gave back and some big kind of event that could raise a lot of money for for local charities. Um, And the idea for City Moguls was kind of born out of all of those layers of us wanting to put them all together. Awesome, guys. I don't know how you've been friends and business partners for 10 years like that must be so tough at times. So how how do you guys balance that just the friendship and the business because me and Katie are in the same boat, right? We're in a we're in a full on marriage. That's what you if you can look at like your, your partnership with someone as a marriage, 
then I think it makes it so much easier because you're going to live and die by each other and you're going to support each other no matter what. And you're going to go through a lot of highs and lows together constantly. Um, so I think you have to find your ride or, ride or die kind of partner, which is what we kind of found. Victoria and I have gone through a lot together over 10 years and we've just become so much stronger over the years because mm. we've, we've really like had a lot of open communication. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for us is we love each other at our cores and we've grown together. Like the people that Danny and Victoria were 10 years ago are very different people. They're still, they're still the party girl inside each of us who wants to go out and dance, dance and have fun at the clubs like we were at our university days. But we've really grown and evolved together um, and supported each other in our growth. Um, and like Danny said, it's really for us been the communication. It every every single day, I I Danny is the person I speak to more than anyone else. Worth my boyfriend, my parents. She's the person I'm talking to because our baby is our business. I th I'm so happy that you guys brought up that it's like a marriage and you learn how to communicate as you go. Um, I was in a clubhouse chat with uh, Hyla and Adrian, the founders of 437, and we were talking about this exactly because when you have male founders, like for some of the businesses that I run, my, my partners are in Ben, and it's so different, the communication between them, like it's direct, it's straight to the point, they call you out on your shit all the time. Whereas with, with the female partners, sometimes it's more difficult and there's like passive aggressive um, behaviors that unconsciously we introduce right so what they shared was you always when you communicate you do it from a place of love and support and I'm like the fact that you said it's like a marriage is just the best way to describe it <laughs> well it's true and it's like it's such a good point you bring up because I think that like early on uh Vic and I would get like defensive about things because we, we would we're so passionate about what we do, right? And it's not, yeah. nothing's ever personal. And it's taken us so long to get to a place where we're like, oh, I understand Victoria is being passionate and not um, aggressive because we're trying to do the best thing we possibly can for our business and vice versa. Like I can also come off that way. And I think we've learned at this point that it's nothing is personal. It's all for the business. And that's actually the best mindset you can have because then we're both just driving the business forward faster mm -hmm. and I'm yeah. so happy that you guys have a dance background too because mm -hmm. you understand like what it takes to build a team and and be a part of a team um so I have like a competitive dance background too I used to be in a, a hip-hop crew called G-Ties and there's a lot of things that you do even subconsciously like as you're getting ready to compete um and and you have this whole mentality of like the team coming together to achieve great things. So I want to ask you guys what parallels you found between competitive dance and being in business. I love, I we're love this like, chat. And no one can see us, but like every, like everything you just said, we're both like nodding the entire time. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, it's so funny because so many of our team members that we've hired are, have dance backgrounds and it's because we know that competitive dance, any sport really, the, the mindset training that you get as a young person, like going through all of that and working towards getting better at something you're really passionate about cannot be understated and is so easily transferable to business. I think for me, one of the biggest like learning lessons from competitive dance that I've carried through business um, is just uh, resilience and consistency. You know, you don't, you don't at five years old, wake up and are a perfect dancer who can do everything flawless. I'm also, Danny and I are also dance teachers. So we, we bestow all this wisdom to our, our students now, but you, it's, it's training every single day and getting 1% better every single day. Um, nothing happens overnight. And I know for Danny and I, that's been like a huge thing for us, especially pivoting our business through businesses through such difficult times like this past year. It's the consistency. As long as we get up and we keep driving things forward every single day and taking action and not just sitting on things, like you're gonna get better. The business is gonna grow, things are gonna get better. And you like get a thick skin in the dance world. It's pretty ruthless, the competitive dance world. And it really gave us such a thick skin. And I think that is like, I'm really grateful for it now. Like, I don't think I realized how much it was, how valuable it was when I was in it. And I don't actually think I've told you the story, Vic, but you know, 
at one point in my dance career, we were moving studios because my studio was closing. And I was with another girlfriend um, and we were auditioning at different dance studios. And one dance studio went to, they were gonna, they promised us the world. Oh, we wanna give you three solos and we wanna give you this and all this stuff. And then we went to another studio, which was one of the best studios in the city. And they didn't promise us the world, but we knew it was in a, a phenomenal studio. And at one point I said, why don't we just go to this other studio? They're gonna promise us all of these wonderful things. Um, we're gonna get so much time on stage and we're gonna get all of us, we're gonna have three solos, it's so great. And my friend looked at me and she said, do you wanna be part of a winning team or do you wanna just dance for yourself? And it was such a great like aha moment. Cause I was like, of course I wanna be part of a, a team, a winning team and not just kind of think about myself as an individual at a studio. It was a, it was a big turning point. And I actually went to the, the better studio and was back row and, you know, worked my way up and got better. And it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. Mm -hmm. That's the amazing thing about competitive sports in general. And it doesn't have to be just dance. It can be anything where there's individual accountability, but you compete as a team. And even though you're competing as a team, you're training individually because you don't want to be the weakest link and you want to make sure that you know, the team is supported. So you're you're making yourself better 1% at a time and it all adds up. There's actually a quote I have in my office. Rome wasn't built in a day, but they laid bricks every day, just lay one brick. You guys also said one key phrase there that I want to bring out. It's about taking action. I think so many people get lost when they're trying to start a business and they don't know where to start and they have this giant vision of what they want to create, but they don't know how to bring that to life or they're scared. So I want to ask you guys where you found the confidence to lay that first brick for city moguls. Cause I know we talked about Stratus a little bit, but for city moguls, what was that vision like? And, and what was that first brick that you guys laid? Yeah, I think we, Danny and I were lucky um, that we had a good five years, like all of our university years to play and explore. Like we tried so many things in a safe space and and learned a lot about running events and bringing together the community. So by the time we came up with the concept of city moguls, so just to rewind back a bit, we started with city moguls just as one event, um, one event and now it's like a community of thousands of entrepreneurs. But our why for starting the whole City Moguls brand was we really wanted to help build the next generation of purpose-driven leaders. So the first kind of step for us in coming back to that why was, why don't we use our event planning skills, our love for, you know, entertainment and bringing people together um, in a really you know, entertaining show. So City Moguls started as one event with, um, <laughs> I'm trying to think back, this was back in 2016. We had like 200 people out at like the JCC at Bathurst and Bloor. And we thought like, oh, this will just be like a really fun community event. It wasn't even called City Moguls back then. This was in 2012 and we started it under another brand name. We're like, Vic and I looked at each other. We're like, yeah, we'll have like 50 people there. 200 people ended up coming out. And it, we were like, oh, we'll raise like a couple hundred bucks for charity. We raised like $5,000 for charity. And so we kind of, you, we didn't set our expectations super high. We just did it because we really wanted to do it. And um, we were really passionate about it. So I think like laying that first brick was just doing it out of love and like passion. Yeah. No, and, and like Danny said, our expectations were non-existent because we had never done it before. Um, and we just, we loved it so much. We loved the idea so much that we were willing to. And I think that also comes back to Danny and I's dance backgrounds. You fail a lot in, mm. in dance. You, you know, I have fallen on my ass on stage many times in front of hundreds and hundreds of people and had to get back up and keep dancing. I actually fell off stage one time and had to get back <laughs> up on stage and keep dancing. I was one of those dancers that went like full out. I was like 120%. I would fall all the time. Anyways, those like little lessons throughout life and like literally falling on your face and having to get back up and keep going. 
I guess Danny and I were a little more resilient to failure because we know that like that's where the best lessons happen. So even if nobody showed up to our event except our parents, it was still a win for us because we we did the event. Yeah, and and like from that first event, we learned so much. So we just kept iterating every single year, right? Like you ask people what they liked and what they didn't like. You you go out there and you talk to people about what they're looking for and what they would want to see and what types of people they want to be around and what types of events they love going to and why. Like you act, we actually went out there and talked to people constantly and every single year it kept growing for the same reason was it was just because we were iterating based on feedback, like actual feedback. And, um, you know, it grew 200 people one year and then we got to 500 people. Our, our last event in 2019 was like, what, 600, 700 people um, because of iteration. So it doesn't happen overnight. Um, there's just, I think there's a lot, a lot of people are impatient in the entrepreneurial world because of obvious reasons. You, you're so passionate. You want your dream to happen. I want it to happen tomorrow. And it really is about the journey and making those small iterations so that you can just consistently grow. A hundred percent, Danny, you're, you're so right about making those small iterations and getting to a place um, where what your initial thoughts were are sometimes so different from, from what you had in mind, right? Um, I want to ask you about the, the vision that you guys have for City Moguls now and where you see it headed, because at this point, you've built an amazing community with thousands of entrepreneurs. You've had all of these live events that are incredible, like the, the City Moguls, the fashion show um, event, which you guys are most known for. So I want you to talk a little bit about that in case our audience hasn't, hasn't heard or hasn't seen what that event looks like and where you guys are transitioning your community in the digital space. Yeah, so I mean, it's uh, it's been about a year now uh, since we had to completely, Danny and I look at what City Moguls is now and we feel like we're running a brand new business. Um, so although our roots were at events and we hope to come back to our live events one day soon, we're not, uh, we made the decision very early on during the pandemic that we weren't gonna sit and wait our call to our why was always to impact impact and support early stage entrepreneurs. So let's figure out how we're gonna do that. So over the past year, Danny and I have been working on building out our membership program for our community. So now our community, which is so beautiful and you know is a real testament to how resilient the people that are a part of our community are, they've stuck with us over the years. Um, is we've really been built out year round programming to support early stage entrepreneurs through mentorship, um, um, networking, and just really having a strong, strong support system in those early years of like minded people that are just going to be there to support one another. Uh, one of Danny and I's biggest learning lessons throughout the last few years is how critical it is to have high vibe people that are if not more successful or like at your level so that you really have people that you can lean on for ideas and advice and people that you can always come to so we're really trying to serve the next generation of entrepreneurs with that space and have it for them to have that safe space to come to to just soar and grow at an insane level by having that support system one of the events that we were going to launch um, before the pandemic was our Mogul Cruise Accelerator. And that is like a mastermind series for early stage entrepreneurs combined with mentorship. And we never launched it. And, you know, when COVID hit, it was kind of, I mean, sometimes you have to wait for the right timing. It was really perfect timing because we we saw that people were so, they were stuck at home. They needed the community. They needed to lean on each other for support. There's a lot of solopreneurs that are working on their own every single day, which is really hard. I don't know what I would do if I was just on my own. I didn't have a team or Victoria. So we were like, let's launch this now. And it was such a big success. We had no idea what we were doing. We didn't have a huge plan in place, but we were like, let's launch this and try it out and see what happens and get feedback from people so we can you know, make it better moving forward. And we got like 
almost 120 people out to our first cohort. Um, it's a three month program. So we started it as like a six week program. It's now a three month program. And, you know, since that, since March of last year, we've had about five cohorts and we've been changing little things here and there to make it so much better uh, for the community so they can really lean on each other and have an actual program that serves them and is really valuable. So um, that's now our flagship program, uh, the Accelerator, and it kind of took COVID to get us there. So we're kind of grateful in a, in a weird way. Uh, obviously, it's been really hard for a lot of people, but, uh, you know, it's been kind of a blessing in disguise in that way. I'm so grateful that you guys ended up pivoting and launched the City Mobile Cruise because I was part of the second cohort that you did. And it was just so valuable. Like you connect with entrepreneurs on a weekly basis, people that are in the same, going through the same things that you're going through. And you, I think it takes an entrepreneur to know what an entrepreneur is going through in the sense that it's a unique set of challenges and you're, you're betting against yourself and having people that you can lean on that are going through the same things is so valuable. And having a mogul too, like the way that you guys structure the program for anybody listening who doesn't know how it works is there is a mogul who guides you through different lessons or um, kind of like thought-provoking questions and gets you to dig into what you're doing in your business and everybody shares from their own perspective which is just so invaluable so yeah, thank you guys for doing that I'm so happy we're so happy to hear that it was so valuable for you because it's just that's like everything we're trying to do make it valuable and you'll be interested to know we've completely revamped the program there's no facilitator anymore it's a full peer-to-peer mastermind series and then you get paired up one-to-one with a mentor separately as a part of the program so even yeah. since you participated it's changed based on feedback so there you go yeah. um, I want to ask you though you you come back to your why and you've come back to it a few times so for somebody that's starting out how do you find your why what kind of questions did you guys ask yourselves to get that that really clear statement on the reason why you do what you do and how it's brought you to where you are now <laughs> Vic and I are smiling because we both are big fans of um, Simon Sinek, who right, who's the, the author of Star with Why, and you know is all about you know finding your why, um, living by that before you get to what you're gonna do, how you're gonna do it, all that fun stuff. And um, it's funny because we didn't we I mean we always kind of knew why we were doing it, but we never actually publicized it and put it into our branding and. Um, it's it's really only come about in the last couple of years why we are doing what we're doing and I think it's it's been consistent since we started we want to shed a light on an innovative entrepreneurs who are doing incredible things in the community we want to support early stage entrepreneurs because they need a community and we see how valuable community is for people um and we do it because we love bringing people together like Victoria and I are connectors and we found that on that out very early on that we thrive on being able to connect people um, whether it's through meaningful experiences or connecting to people just one-on-one -on -one because we think they're gonna you know be able to help each other out um, and we love being we love seeing what happens when those things take action um, and people are connected in the right way or derive so much meaning from coming to an experience of ours. Um, so that's like, that's always been consistent. Like we started it because of all of those reasons and we're still doing it because of all of those reasons, but now we're publicizing it. We're telling people why we're doing it and it's been so much more helpful for our brand. Did I get it all? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, I think the point here is, is most people and Danny and I are constantly like talking to early stage entrepreneurs. It's, it's most of our day is talking with our community. And so many people will lead with what they do. Cause it's so easy to say like, oh, I do this. I run a business in this industry. The reason why it's so hard to say why you do what you do. And uh, Danny and I have done a couple of talks on this. It's from a psychology standpoint, like, your actual the brain how the brain works why is evoked by feelings and feelings are really hard to describe sometimes and feelings originate in the limbic part of your brain which is where like the fight or flight areas it's like our trigger response whereas what you do is a very like logical 
you know, you can put words to it and it, it's housed in the prefrontal cortex, which is the very front part of your brain. So when you look at the actual like neuropsychology, the science behind why, why it's so hard to talk about is because it originates in a feeling that like fire in your gut. So like it, uh, to come back to your question, Nicole, when people are thinking through their why, it literally is that, like, what is that thing in your belly that gets you up out of bed every single day? What is it that like, oh my God, if I don't do this today, like I will go crazy. Like I need to do this. Like that is your why. And for some people, it's something, you know, we were on a call with a, an amazing group of women. For some people, it's as something as like my family is I my was just why. Gonna say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> or like my dog is my why, you know, maybe you have like a pet business. I don't know, but there's there, it can be some, something very simple, but the, at the essence, it's that fire in your belly that you're just like, Oh, I gotta do this. I love that. I, I feel that fire in my belly when I had have conversations like this because this is what I love to do. I'm, I'm a connector to just like you guys. So I love bringing yes, people together. Are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you talked about was like how, how much you love building community. So I think at the core of what entrepreneurship is right now, regardless of what business you want to launch, you're, you're bringing a community of people together that either believe in the product or the service that you're providing. So do you guys have any tips about fostering community? And it's very different nowadays in the digital world because it's so much harder to have like real conversations with people. So what do you guys do to keep your community engaged and how, how do you bring that into the digital space? I totally hear you that it's harder in the digital world, but then I also think that like we have expanded, been able to expand so much more because of the digital world. And I think that it is here to stay. And I feel like the virtual world is so, you you can reach so many more people. Like if you think about when you used to go to an event and if, I don't know if you ever went to networking events, but Victoria and I were obviously always going to networking events. And, um, you know, you would maybe meet a, a handful of people. And now, like we run a speed, men, uh, speed uh, networking event every month. You're meeting like, 10 to 15 people in less than an hour and making meaningful connections. So I, I do think that like the positive spin on all of this is that you can really reach a lot of people. And it just starts with that. It just starts by building out relationships one by one. And I know it's like, sometimes it's hard to hear that because you're like, I want to reach a thousand people like by this date. And it's like, yes, you can do that. Um, but it really, it starts with just making genuine connections one by one. Yeah, I, I, I'm putting my marketing brain on for the audience now because that's um, the part of City Moguls that I oversee. And like Danny said, initially at the beginning, it's like having those one-on-one -on -one conversations and definitely getting people invested. But I do believe that if you know exactly who you're talking to, like who's that person that is buying your product or is buying your service, like who is that person? And, you know, you're creating that persona. I'm a big believer on like building a community within your niche, like whatever your niche is. So, you know, for city moguls, initially when we started, we were really targeting like all types of entrepreneurs. And although like we do a lot of like celebrating and our mentors are established entrepreneurs, we really realized who we wanted to serve was like year zero to year five of entrepreneurship because they're the ones who really need the help, the community, the support, the, the circle of trusted people around them. So that was for us a big realization in who our niche is and who we were talking to. And I think for those of you out there that are like sitting on an idea and start and are, you know, maybe hesitant to like launch your product or whatever, you can build a community of people around what you're passionate about. And then you have an impressionable audience of people that will buy your product or service. So I'm a big believer in like, even if, even if you're unsure of which, which direction your business is going, if you're very clear on who you're talking to and like what they're passionate about, if you can build your marketing strategy and all the branding and content you're doing around 
that person's interests, you're going to start attracting people that are eventually going to buy your products and services. And to, like and, go off what, and to go off what Victoria is saying, like, I think people are so concerned with, oh, like this market's really oversaturated and like, oh, I love what this company does and I could never get to what they do. And I think that's such a, like, there's a, a much better way to look at it because there is room for everyone in every industry. No one's going to do city moguls like Victoria and I do it. There are so many entrepreneurial communities out there. There are a lot. And we have lots of quote unquote competitors. I like to call them collaborators because we're actually starting to collaborate with some of them now who are willing to do it, which is awesome. But like there's space for all of us. Like there are some people that are going to go come to our community for whatever reasons. And there's people that are going to go to another community. And that's totally fine. There's space for all of us. So like Vic said, if you're sitting on something, you kind of just need to go for it because no one's really going to do it like you do. I'm so happy you brought that up. One thing that I live by is that there's no shortage of success in the universe. And just because one person is successful doesn't mean you can't also be successful. And you're so right. Like the way that you do things, you have your own personality, your own flair. So if it's a service-based business, especially nobody can do the things that you do because you are who you are and nobody can take that from you. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm so happy you brought that up. And even in the product world, like we were just talking, we had a, an amazing event yesterday. Um, Corinne, the, the founder and CEO of, of Diva Cup, you know, there, there are so many knockoff Diva Cups now in, the, in her space. She's, she's not going to just shut down, you know, like there's yeah. room for all of those other brands. Someone might come to her because they like Diva Cup because of it's Canadian or it's, you know, made by these people and they might go to another product cause it's cheaper. Like there's just room for everyone. It's just, so I think, yeah, product or service. I think everyone, th- there is space for you. There is space for you. Definitely. And that actually reminds me of this one woman I was speaking to a little bit earlier this week and she has this huge well, now it's, it's a very large like succulents um, brand and she has like physical products that she sells and eBooks and she creates a lot of content. But how she initially started was she just loved succulents and was reading all of the different, like she would read books on how to water and how to take care of different succulent plants and started a blog and then built a community of people that just love and are passionate about these kinds of plants. And I'm, I'm one of them. Like if you guys uh, could see my place, it's covered in, in plants and especially <laughs> succulents. Same with ours. Both of us are, we have so problems. That's so funny. What yeah. Danny and I go to gr- green houses on weekends together. That's like what we do for fun. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. And succulents are so easy to take care of. So if anybody's thinking about getting a plant, get a succulent, you water them every two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so she started with a Facebook community of people that were interested and she would just share different resources and they would all like talk about their plants. And then that eventually grew and evolved into a multi-million dollar company. So I was talking to her and I was like, did you have any idea that you would get to where you are just from this one blog? And she's like, no, but I wanted to bring people together that were passionate about this. And I was so excited when I found other people that cared about plants as much as I do. So I love that. I just wanted to share because... Victoria, you were talking about like just starting with the community and that's, that's at the core of what she did and how she grew. So yeah, Yeah. I wanted to ask you guys that you guys have grown quite a bit as well. And you've brought on new people to help facilitate some of your events. Like Sam, I interacted with Danny, you mentioned Sophie helps out as well. So how did you know to bring on different people into your business and into your baby, basically? Because as an entrepreneur, you're, you're kind of like growing a child, right? And, And you've got, you know, two parents that take care of it. So how do you bring in other people? How do you find a way to trust other people to grow the business to where you want it to be. I love that analogy of like, we're the parents. That's so clever. Like that's, yeah. And it's like city moguls is our child. That's so clever. I'm going to let Vic take this because I was always like, oh, we don't have money. We can't hire anyone. And Victoria's (laughs) like, no, it doesn't matter. We need people to help us. Still to this day, still to this day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I love this question. And, you know, it's the biggest piece of advice I give to early stage entrepreneurs, because um, I feel like one of the biggest obstacles early stage entrepreneurs have to overcome is asking for help. 
like realizing that you are way too deep in the dirt to move your business forward. So, I mean, as early as you can, really, as long as you've got things established, like I think for most businesses, there's like a couple things that as the founder, you're always going to have to do. Um, you're always going to have to oversee like your budget. You're always going to have to like, you know, strategy planning and vision and planning. But there's a lot of things that you can find to delegate and pass off eventually. So for for Danny and I, especially building our online community, our the biggest like beast is marketing really. And, um, you know, a year ago, even today, because all of our events got canceled, I had to take on all of that responsibility again and do it myself while we were reshifting the business. So my strategy has always been um, to find young go-getters who are hungry and willing to like, you know, put in the work, put in the sweat and are invested in helping you grow the company. I've found a lot of um, great connections with um, postgraduate program coordinators at colleges and universities in like diploma programs like marketing and all of that. I've built relationships with these people over the years. And when I'm at a point of like overwhelm, like I can't do that, there's I can't drive the business forward right now. Like I need to find somebody and coach them on how to do social media. I would, I would reach out to these program coordinators and offer a internship co-op program. And it's crazy because a lot of these students need some kind of like three, four month placement as a part of their, like completing their degree. A lot of people don't know that. And a lot of people feel guilty for like bringing on an intern I don't know where that comes from, but um, it's tremendously helpful and valuable experience for them. And it's a part of them completing school. And you don't have to be some big successful company to have an intern. You can be a person of one or two to bring on an intern. Um, so that has been how we have found talent. I, I'm a big believer in hiring people based on their personality and their, their like will to, to do stuff, like their work ethic. Um, everything can be trained and taught when they have the right drive. And Danny and I have really shaped all five of our team members uh, from just like raw skill and talent. No one has really come in to our team as like an expert with five years of experience in marketing or it's, it's, you know, as an early stage business, you just don't have the funds unless you have a fund funder to, to hire those people. Yeah. Maybe a couple years down the road, you can, but we've really found all of our people um, through, you know, building connections with schools, getting people on early in their careers who are just so hungry for opportunity and experience and building them from the ground up. I'm so happy you brought up the internship piece. Um, that's something that I actually did last summer. So I hired three interns for my business and I found them through, um, they were actually from Shoelake and I found them through a Facebook group for the York Marketing Association, which is an awesome, like basically a Facebook group for, um, for students that are interested in marketing. And I, I posted a job. I reached out actually to the president of the club and I, I mentioned like I'm an early stage startup I am looking for some students to help to help out who are interested in these different fields and then he connected me with the resume bank of 10 different people I got to interview them and then I eventually hired them and so I, I don't think bringing on interns is taboo at all um, you're you're providing experience to people they're learning so much and they're growing with you and so I think it's just an incredible way to bootstrap if you know resources are tight like for early stage founders like you said you can't go out and hire someone with 10 years of experience because their salaries and their salary expectations do not align with where <laughs> your budgets are, right? Um, but it's different for like SaaS or, or software as a service-based companies if you're launching an app, because at that point, you're going to go out for funding. Yeah, you should be getting funding. And if mm -hmm. anything, Danny and I, um, especially over this past year, have learned, you know, what do you, women are very hesitant 
to, to get funding, access to funding. They think they need to bootstrap things for yourself. So yeah, if you're in tech, if you're in something that requires experts to help you get it off the ground, there is so many amazing ways to get funding. You know, if you're a Canadian, there's ClearBank for um, e-com, direct-to-consumer brands. Um, Danny and I have managed to find some great grants through the government. There's, they're hard to find, but they're sneaky. There's one called, um, there's one called the Magnet Grant, and it actually helps you pay students for positions at your your school. So we've gotten a couple thousand dollars to actually help pay our students honorariums after they complete their internships and stuff like that. So there, there really is a lot of funding out there. You just got to find it. <laughs> yeah, no one is just going to go to you and offer you free money, right? You have no. to go out and hunt it down. That would be really nice if people could just offer you money. But it also, yeah, like you have to look at your business model. Like for city moguls, we didn't really need to start with too much. We put a bunch of money in ourselves. Um, we were, you know, we bit the bullet and we were like, okay, if we need to bring someone on and like they're getting paid more than us, then so be it. That's what you have to kind of do at the beginning. You have to be comfortable you know, being like, we're hiring someone, they're making more money than us right now, but they're going to help us grow the business, right? And then Vic and I are starting a new business. And like, we need serious funding for that. So it just depends on your business model, too. You have to kind of look at your needs. Definitely. I mean, hopefully in the future, we can have a conversation once that new business is up and running, we can talk about the struggles that you guys have gone through at that point. So I'm excited oh, for yeah. you guys. We'll have to do, we'll do a We'll have a whole other ch chat about that one, hopefully in the next, uh, within this year, that will be exciting. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to see what you guys create. Um, I was going to ask you a little bit about um, like the people that you bring on specifically. So how, how you found them, we, we talked about that, which is awesome, like using different resources, but how did you break down outsourcing certain tasks? So what are different things as a founder that, that you do like um, on a day-to-day, -day, we talked about strategy, but what are some things that you can bring on extra help for? So regarding like automation. Hmm. I think the biggest bucket for sure. And if you're not doing it, you're being very silly. You're a silly entrepreneur and you need to wake up. Like you need to have a presence on social media and to have a strong presence, you need to be consistent, which means you need to be posting at least three to four times a week and doing, you know, engaging with your community and building a following. I get really frustrated when brands tell me, oh, I don't need, I don't need social media. I don't need to be on there. I'm like, yeah, you do. Well, welcome, welcome to 2021. You need to have a presence on social media regardless of what your brand is. Um, and I think that's like a really good place to start for delegating work. I think that's probably like the number one thing I would recommend people looking at outsourcing. Um, so for us, uh, I... I found our amazing, amazing marketing coordinator, Sophie, um, actually through Connection. She uh, was a young, she, I've known her for a couple of years. She was a student at the dance studio I teach at and then started university. And one day in passing said to me, oh, Victoria, I really like City Moguls. Like, I'd love to know more about it. And then we had a very like two minute conversation. She said, I'm in marketing at uh, the University of Guelph. And I said, well, have you ever thought about doing an internship? And she's like, maybe. And that planted the seed in my head. I was like, I know this girl has the goods to be phenomenal. I am getting her as an intern when she's done this when she's done this semester so this was about a year ago now um i i proposed an internship with us for three months and how my process worked is i had built out like all of the like templates and like the day-to-day -day to do lists and all of that stuff that were kind of like where i had gotten our social media to a point of being like growing steadily and being consistent. So I have created like the content calendar, um, a rough branding guidelines. And I really, it took us about three to four months of just diving deep into 
training and teaching her the voice because teaching a voice of a brand is incredibly difficult and it really does take a long time because it's like learning to speak another language so it took us about three months for her to get to a point where she was fully confident um, to like really run the social media on her own so it definitely is an investment of the founder's time but fast forward to now this girl is a freaking force. Like I am forecasting that Sophie Warlow, that's her name, her full name. She is going to be an incredibly successful entrepreneur in years to come because she just has such the raw talent. Now she's like helping Danny with partnerships. She's overseeing all of our marketing. She's our branding expert. She literally, there's nothing this girl can't do. And that really stemmed from me investing everything I had, all the knowledge, just dumping it on her and, and nurturing her and mentoring her, both Danny and I, to just have the confidence to really take everything to the next level. I'm so happy that you mentioned just the brand voice piece, because that is something that I had to go through. And it was funny because when I brought on um, the interns, that's the first thing that you teach them. Like, what does your brand do? What does it stand for? What do you want people to think when they interact with the brand or when you're communicating with a customer? Like, what do you want that messaging to come across? And so it, it is so tough to teach. Um, and, and just an example of like how that comes across, even with Instagram, we're talking about social media and how important it is to be consistent. With uh, with our company, we started realizing that our um, our images weren't almost as inclusive. Like we weren't showing all of the different faces of people that could use our product, and it, that was really important because we realized we weren't showing all of these different women. And, and I have a, a product that focuses specifically for women. We weren't showing that everybody and anybody is is able to use this product. And so, as somebody interacting with this, they were, they were thinking like, okay, well, does this mean that it's not for me? And why, why doesn't, uh, why don't this, why doesn't this company have imaging that centers and shows that? So it's so important to be mindful of like diversity and inclusion when you're communicating from the voice of the brand and just choosing the wording that you use and being super consistent. Like you said, that is, that is key. Yeah. And they, I think you soon realize that that person, those people that you invest your time in and bring on up those, as those like first team members, they've become an extension of you. So they start to like have a little voice, your voice in their head. And, you know, I, I want to, I want to stress how powerful it is to be able to pass all the things that you've learned onto someone else and how rewarding it is for you as the founder too, to see that in somebody else and how much they'll grow and, and take everything you've done to the next level. Um, so I think uh, Danny and I have talked about this a lot. It's a lot of not only trust with that, those, the people you're bringing on, but faith, like seeing their potential and having faith that they're going to be able to deliver. So I know we're, we're closing out on time. Um, so I just want to ask you guys a final question, which is what core skills you think an entrepreneur needs to have? And I think one of you mentioned earlier, like you can learn anything, but what are those core skills that you should focus on building in order to be successful? And success can mean so many different things, but what are those core skills that, uh, that you think are just critical? I think we mentioned this before. I think one of the top, five, in my opinion, is resilience, is being able to say, okay, this isn't working or, and, and get back up. And, you know, this idea was amazing. We need to change it and, um, you know, move forward in a new way. Um, this is kind of, you know, my failures in the past, but I'm so passionate about this. I'm going to move forward with this. And I think that Resilience can take you a lot further than you think it can. I think people are getting their heads a lot about what they're doing. And it's so easy to say, you know what, I'm just going to do something a little easier. And it's, you know, do something that, you know, I have where I have stable income, where I have consistency in my life. And that works for a lot of people. So if you want to be an entrepreneur, you have to be okay picking yourself up and not getting a pat on the back for it. Like someone once said, I, I, and I know this is like out there in the world. I, I've heard this many times, but someone once said to me, if you want to 
if you want a pat on the back or if you want any kind of recognition, don't become an entrepreneur. <laughs> and I find it so true. I love that. Such a good quote. Um, with resilience, though, it's so tough, especially in the early stages to like, let's say you're cold calling or you're in your guys' shoes, you are bringing on a mogul to um, for the first time. What was that experience like? Like when you're picking up the phone and you're trying to reach them and they're not responding, it's it's so difficult initially to remove yourself and realize, okay, maybe they're just busy. It, it has no reflection on me. And how do you change your mindset to pick up the phone again and call that person again? It's like also just being okay with like the mundane, like Victoria and I have spent so much time and it was really hard in the early years to be okay with this. But like just kind of living and finding joy and like, okay, picking up the phone, calling someone, getting a no, picking up the phone again, call like calling someone, getting a no, picking up the phone, getting a yes. Okay, we're getting somewhere. And just finding joy in that kind of process because it can be really just, for lack of a better word, it can be boring sometimes. You're doing kind of the the grunt work, especially at the beginning, you're doing all the grunt work, you're wearing all the hats. And just kind of changing your mindset to find some joy in doing those things consistently, because that's when you see growth. Um, like, you know, we would, and we used to do this, we would pick up the phone and call people and tell them about this thing called the Mogul Awards. And we want you to walk in a fashion show. And people were like, what? Like, WTF? Like, and we had to explain it over and over and over again. We were at our other jobs on our breaks, calling people. And it was just like a skill we actually built up over time, just being like, okay, you just have to kind of keep chipping away at it in order for things to kind of melt and, and, and fall into fruition, if that makes sense. Yeah, I would say Danny is so right. And if we can summarize it in one sentence for you to all write down, it's no, does just means not yet. Like it's not a no forever. Like it's not, okay, that person's gonna never wanna buy your product or be a part of what you're doing. It's just not right now. Um, so if you can make that mindset shift that it's not like a no, it's not like a closed door, it's like not yet. And I can, there's so many examples from Danny and I's lives where we approached like these really big entrepreneurs in like our first year when they had no idea who we are and they were like, no. And now they're reaching out to us like five, six years later, wanting to be a part of stuff. And they don't even remember us, you know, years ago when we were asking them. So it's very funny how the universe works and conspires in your way. But I think like Danny said, if you love the mundane, if you keep pushing through uh, all the no's and you get a one yes every 100 no's, like that's progress. And eventually those people might come back and be yes. That's incredible, Victoria. Thank you so much for sharing that. And just the story of resilience, your story in general is just amazing and such a fun episode. I'm so happy that you guys came on and, and shared your time and energy with us today. So thank you guys. I'm, I'm upset that Katie wasn't able to meet you guys today, but definitely when the new business gets launched and gets to where it is, um, I'm excited to have a conversation with Katie so that we can all chat about what you guys have been able to accomplish. Thank you. This, this is, was awesome. This and like, kudos to you for doing this. This is amazing. We love you, Nicole. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you guys for listening to us, for supporting us. Check back next Wednesday. We have some awesome guests lined up. I know I say this all the time, but like truly next week is going to be awesome.